Welcome to the Magnificat Podcast. We are an international ministry to Catholic women. Throughout this series, we will pray together, share insights, and hear amazing testimonies, typically from women of faith who have been touched by the power of the Lord in their lives. This is a decidedly Catholic podcast, and in this series, you will hopefully learn more about the Catholic faith, God, the Blessed Mother, and much more. Thanks so much for joining us. Now let's listen to a great program. I know Jackie France is about to introduce our next speaker, but I have to say a word about this woman because she has been a dear friend of mine for over 20 years. Uh, We worked very closely together uh, at the same seminary down in Boynton Beach, Florida. I love her like a sister and a mother all wrapped in one, and she is a great gift, so you have a more formal introduction, but I just had to give her my bona fides as well. Carol, I love you. Carol Raza has been at every conference I've ever been to. What we're about to experience is a woman who has stepped into the Holy Spirit with everything she's got, and that's what she's going to help us to do. Worshiping, praising the Lord. The Lord was, I had a sense, He was healing people. So there's some of you that came with physical problems back, side, knees, arm, we got them all. Headache, whatever that is, take notice because the Lord is healing. So, you know, try to move something you couldn't move before. Be aware of different things that are happening. It could even be emotional, there could have been a release of something that you've been holding on to. You didn't even know you were holding on to it, but be aware as we continue to go through the conference. Didn't start just now. I was aware of it now, but it didn't just start now. God has been moving, true? True, he's been moving. I want you to know that one of the words that came out when we were doing a sound check and, and preparing at the beginning of the conference, the Lord was saying, expect the unexpected. And then we heard that Father David say something very similar. He wasn't there, right? Because the Lord has given the same word to everybody. If he wants us to expect the unexpected, what do we need to do? Expect the unexpected. Yes. You know, whatever that might be. Whatever. So let's not put him in a box and say, well, the unexpected would look like this, that, box. No, no. The unexpected is the unexpected. You know, that's the surprise to say, whoa, I, that's, that's it. You know, God is moving. I want to ask forgiveness as I start because, and Father Tom said it so perfectly, Italian, this is Italian from New York. You say things before you think something may come out. I don't mean it that way, whatever it might be. I don't want anybody saying, oh, this is theologically incorrect. It doesn't matter, all right? At this point, I don't even want you to listen to me. (laughs) I want you to listen to what God is saying in your heart. He's saying something to each of us. I have a bunch of words here. They're, they're words that you've heard before. This is nothing new. I don't have. I don't even have anything new. I mean, it, it's him. And whatever's in the scriptures, that's that's it. Listen. I know there's some people that are note takers. The only thing you need to write down is what is God saying to you in this moment. What is He saying to you? Because He's here. He's moving. And I'm excited to know what he's doing. You know, some, some people were saying, oh, you know, I, I'm excited to hear what, the talk. I said, so am I. <laughs> <laughs> you 
You never really know. You know. This is a treasured time, as bad as things are. And we just heard about the bombing in Israel. If Satan is overplaying his hand, could you agree with me? Yeah. yeah. Well, he's so stupid. He hasn't read the end of the book. You know, hell was created for him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Hell was created for him. You know, and he's still trying to do other things. He's, it's ridiculous. So he's overplayed. So all these things are happening, you know, whether it's in our families, in our cultures. And it's not just our culture, I'll tell you, because I travel other places. Everyone is experiencing the nonsense that we're experiencing here. People are being wounded from some of the things. Kids are so confused. They are so confused today. I heard a report that said we have to evangelize children uh, from ages 5 to, you know, the, the reason, you know, the time of reason, to 13, it, in that time. Because after that, the world has already done it. The world, the flesh, the devil, right, has already started to evangelize. And you see these kids getting confused. And we're going to start seeing it in the seminaries. You know, they're going to start coming in so evangelized from the world. They know, they'll know the truth, but the confusion that sets in. And it waters down the word of God. And, and the truth that the church teaches us. So even though all that has happened, I really believe that this is a time that we're entering into a time of revival. I really, really believe that with all my heart. And I have an urgency in my spirit. I was so excited when the bishops came together and, and they proclaimed these next few years as um, Eucharistic revival. Oh, I was so excited because I said, they got it, yes. Yes, this is what we need. The church needs to get back to truly who we are. Truly who we are, knowing what, what we have. The, the gift of the Eucharist. That's what revival. Revival is a sovereign act from, of God. We're asking the Lord. We're asking God, the Father of creation, to move like he's never moved before. Uh, a revival. He didn't, they didn't say renewal, uh, understand. He said revival. That makes a difference makes a difference. And I see it because you see it even in the non-denominational churches. There's something happening. There's something happening. But we have the fullness. How incredibly blessed are we? And we don't even know it half the time. We don't even. We can expect God to move. And in fact, he's already moving. He doesn't stop moving. What happens is we just don't keep up. He moves and we don't keep up. We need to keep up. We need to keep up. We need to get everything else out of the way. And we're going to talk more about what has to go. This stuff has to be out of the way. So we truly can live as the sons and daughters that God created us to be. I believe that Magnificat must be a vital ministry in promoting this expectant faith in those we minister to. Whether we minister to them at a meal or when we're called into... We're still Magnificat, men and women, when we, leave, when we leave that meal. We still represent the church. What does that mean? You know, if I go out of that meal, that time of, of fellowship and testimony, and I'm the same as I went in, or well, that was nice. You know, that was really nice. Nice is no good. <laughs> That's not enough, okay? Nice is not, is not enough. We're not, a, we're not the breakfast club. We're not the lunch bunch. That is a time of anointing. We heard about the anointing last night so beautifully from Janice. That is a time for people. When people walk in the doors of a Magnificat meal, do you know that they, they should immediately know something is different? 
Something is different, and it's not just, oh, I smell some nice food. Or I like the way that one is dressed. Yeah, that's good. Or, oh, I'm at that table. That's, oh, I like her. Yeah, no, no. They should walk in. They need to walk in and whoa, feel something, recognize something is different. You know, these are not just words that I, I have nothing better to say. I'm going to say these words. This is the reality of who we are as children of God. I remember one time being in Trinidad. This was going back a long time. I was there with Babsy, a, a prayer meeting that would take place every Wednesday or whatever day downtown in Port of Spain. It was great because all the business people could come in. And so I was there and I noticed as soon as we all got inside the church, they closed the doors. And I said, why'd you close the doors? There's people out there that really, there was drug addicts, prostitutes, they really need to be in here. And they said, well, no, we close it because of that. You know, open the doors. I said, we have to open the doors. Do you know people were delivered, set free as they came into the church? As they came into the church. Come on, this is nothing we could do. We can't, we can't do that. He does. And he calls us to come into agreement with that. Magnificat is part of that. I talked last year about us being fireballs, fireballs. We are fireballs. I want to know how many people have been burning the areas that they're in. Zechariah 2.8, I will be an encircling wall of fire, and I will be the glory in its midst. I mean, you can't make this stuff up. The things in Scripture are amazing, I mean, if he says it, let's do it. Let's be it. Let's say yes to it. Yes. We say yes to a lot of things, uh, brothers and sisters, that we need not say yes to. But yet the Lord is calling us into that deeper intimacy with him. And we back off. Sometimes we don't even realize we do it. I hope by the end of this conference, we realize when we do it. We want to cry out. Holy Spirit, fall on me again and again and again. That we never have enough of it. Fall on me. And not just to be filled. We are not filled until we're overflowing. Isn't that true? I mean, if you fill a, a cup and you go, oh, that's enough. Yeah, that's enough. That's not full. It's not full until it's spilling out all over the place. We need to be spilling out all over. I mean, when we leave a place, somebody needs to slip in the spill, okay? <laughs> because that's living water. That's living water. We need to be spilling out. So just to say, fill me. You know, sometimes we say things so nice. We sing things. We're so sweet. You fill me, Lord, fill No, no, no. I want to be like my mother. She's a warrior. She's a warrior. I want to be a warrior. When I first started public, publicly speaking, I'm like this. I'm a lunatic. I can't help it. I'm with Father Tom. But I used to pray. I can't tell you how I used to pray. Please, Lord, please. I want to be like my mother Mary. Please, please, please keep me calm when I'm out there. Please keep me calm. And I, really, I mean, so by the third, fourth, fifth time, and it wasn't happening. I was getting worse. <laughs> I sat before the Blessed Sacrament, and I said, you don't love me. I said, because I'm asking you. This is, this is for your people here. And I'm looking like a lunatic. And he said... Well, how do you know how my mother is? How do you know? How do you know how she is? Because I always pictured. Well, and she is humble, but a warrior. A warrior. We are warriors. And let me tell you, if you're not a fighter, 
By the, the, the minute we were baptized, we were placed in the middle of a war. So we have a choice. I could even either get eaten up, beat up, stepped on, or I could be the warrior that I'm called to be. True? Yeah, it's true. This is true, and that's why the body of Christ is, is, is getting so beat up because they're, they're so busy saying, I can't, I won't, I don't know how. I'm not that. That's not me. I guess it is. It is. It's Ephesians 3, 17 to 20. May Christ dwell in your hearts through faith, and may charity be the root and foundation. We sang this, love being the foundation of your life. Thus, you will be able to grasp fully with all the holy ones the breadth and length and height and depth of Christ's love. I sometimes have to ask where if charity, love is the root, what weeds are growing to suffocate that root? Because if there's weeds growing, they need to be pulled out. They're suffocating the love that God wants us to experience and to give away. And our foundation, our foundation is on the rock. We can't lose, but we got to know it. We have to embrace it. We have to experience it. And it can't just be in here. This is our reality, and we need to bring this into that world that doesn't have a clue. And experience his love, which surpasses all knowledge, so that you may, get this, so that you may attain to the fullness of God himself. The God of creation, the God of the universe, he created everything, night and day, the cosmos, the planets, the stars, he did it all. And he says, but I want to give you my fullness. Doesn't that blow your mind? I want to give you my fullness. And full is overflowing, right? So he wants us to overflow with his very self, with him. And that's why he gives us his spirit. He gives us food. He feeds us with his very self. We feast every day at this altar in the Lord. That you may attain to the fullness of God himself. Let's think about this for a moment. What are we with, with little peons? But he looks at us with such incredible love. He says, that's my daughter. That's my son. I want so much to be intimate with them, close to them, so they know just how loved they are. So let's face it, this is a literal decree because we can't understand this. It doesn't make sense to us. It's hard to make sense in just the human mind. This is a lit literal decree from God, the Father, that we cannot possibly understand. His love surpasses all knowledge. He tells us that. The Father of creation wants us to be filled with all of him. Are we hearing this, church? He wants us to be filled with all of him, filled with him to overflowing the anointing that we heard last night, everyone has. The anointing, when we operate in the anointing, the anointing is abundant life. That's living the fullness of who God created us to be. 
And when that's happening, when we recognize that, we can't help ourselves. You have to live in it then. And when people come into it, Peter's anointing, you know, when he walked, his shadow, boom, healed people. People would run in, they were healed, right? (laughs) What's our anointing? What's our anointing? So that when people come near us and we're living in that space, they're healed, they're restored, they're delivered, they're set free. They recognize who they are. They know that they're loved, that God embraces them. They know that they also have the Holy Spirit living in them. I know people have heard me say this before, but my mind was blown when I heard for the first time the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in us. My mind was blown when I heard that. I said, wait a minute, wait a minute. That was Jesus. He was dead. But God raised him from the dead. And the same spirit lives in me? That means those dead areas in my life, those places that shackle us, don't have to stay dead any longer. We need to start speaking to those places to wake them up, to send them out to where they need to go. This world needs us. And I don't think it's a mistake. I don't think it's by accident that Magnificat has been growing and growing and growing over the years. Because a simple meal seems like a simple meal. We can invite anyone to come have breakfast, come have lunch. (laughs) Then they walk in the door. They go, what the heck? (laughs) Not so simple. (laughs) So we can't understand it. But what we can do is surrender to God's intent. Do we trust him? I know many people will say, yes, yes, yes. Oh, I trust him, I trust him. And then they don't even realize it. But they go, you know, I, oh, I'm just so worried about, you know, next week or this thing or that thing. Who are you trusting? Who are you trusting? Am I insulting anybody yet? I'm sure I will. <laughs> Who are you trusting? We say, oh, no, no, I trust God. But, oh, I'm so afraid to do that. Who are you trusting? We trust fear. We trust worry. We trust anxiety. We trust depression. I could give you a list. I'm sure you could give me one too. Who are you trusting? Freedom comes in trusting in him, in stepping out of this illusion of fear. I remember speaking in Taiwan once, and there was a a priest that was going to translate for me. I had a translator that always came with me there, but he wanted to translate in his church. And he said, well, I'm so excited. I'm so excited to translate. So I said, well, you know, sometimes I break out singing. You know, that's a tough one to start translating. So I said, good, Father. Yeah, we'll have fun. So he says, but I'm afraid. I said, Father, step out of that fear. I said, see it. It's it's an illusion. It's circling you. It's an illusion. Step out. So he did that. He stepped out. And he did a beautiful job. And he said, I stepped out of my fear. He even sang. He even sang. I have no idea what he was singing, but... But we sang together. (laughs) So we want to surrender to his intent. With our God, we go from mystery, one mystery to the next mystery, and we don't have to understand it. In fact, why would we want to understand the wonders of our God? Why would we want to understand? Do you think Mary understood everything? Joseph understood everything? Why would we want to understand the wonders of our God? 
I don't want a God that I could understand. I don't want a God that's, that's designed in my image and likeness. <laughs> that's frightening. Uh, no. I, I don't want to understand God. He's a God that he designed us in his image and likeness. A problem often is that we limit the gospel to what we understand. And we can't understand fully the mystery. But that's why we pick and choose. Even in our prayer, he's taking us deeper. He's taking us deeper. Deeper into relationship with him. I'm here to say, I had a revelation just this past couple of weeks. And again, I don't know, you know, don't start looking in the catechism to see if this is right. But I truly believe the deeper we get into relationship with the Lord, we don't need faith anymore. We don't need faith because we're there. We're with him. I don't have faith that my husband is my husband. I see him. I know he's there. I know he loves me. And that's why I think he keeps calling us deeper and deeper and deeper. We saw it just this conference. I feel like each step is taking us deeper into what? Relationship. Relationship. And then that relationship empowers me to have an active faith and to live it out in a way that moves things. Isn't that true? Yeah, I mean, think about relationship. You know, loving, engulfing relationship. What does it do? It gives us that confidence, that courage. So imagine walking deeper into relationship with the Lord. Oh my goodness, I don't even have to think about him. I know him because I know his character. When I, I know his voice. So when I, when, when I get a revelation or we get a revelation, we could speak it because we know it. Are we going to be wrong sometimes? Sure. But still we have the courage to say, okay, I missed missed the boat, and God said, that's okay. That's okay. At least you stepped out of whatever it was that was keeping you silent for so long. So that relationship to go, to go deeper to who we are, knowing who we are, knowing what he, who he calls us to be, knowing who our Father is, his character. He's always good. He's loving. He's forgiving. That's our Father. 1 Corinthians 13, 12 and 13. Now we see indistinctly, as in a mirror, then we shall see face to face, face to face. He calls us. He wants that. My knowledge is imperfect now. Then I shall know even as I am known. There are, in the end, three things that last, faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love, is love. I always think about heaven, and we don't need faith in heaven. We know it. He's there. That's it. We don't need hope because we're there. But we're going to be such lovers. I see heaven, you know, as this love fest, <laughs> as only the, the Lord can do it. You know, just being free from, from the, the woundedness and the hurts and, 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 and all that stuff, the false wisdom that we carry, all the stuff we carry for so long. And just that, just love, just love. I know that's what he wants for us, but he wants it to start now. 
You know, I know our mind is important, of course, but true faith is superior, St. Paul tells us this, uh, to the intellect or the human reason. We need all these things, and, and, and I'm not discounting it. But the more we can hear from our Father, the more Jesus reveals things to us, our mother reveals things to us, the Spirit speaks in us. I mean, what greater place to be? What greater place to be? Then we could learn the stuff that's attached to all of it. He inspires our mind into the mind of Christ. And we know that from Romans 12 too. Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Then you get it. He didn't say that, but then you, but then you get it. You know what's right, what's just, what's God's will. Otherwise, we're imposing things. We impose things on ourselves and on people. Half the things I hear people say that, oh, no, this is what God, this is God's will. Really? How could you support that? Where did you hear that? We want to know him. We don't need to understand. We just need to obey. Obedience must be ready to move when the Lord speaks through the fear, through the worry, the anxiety, through the unforgiveness. When the Lord speaks, move, move. But the only way I do that is if I know him, is if that relationship continues to go deeper and deeper and deeper. That's why sometimes people that get diagnoses for diseases that might be horrible, that are maybe will take their life, and they just start a relationship at that point, it's really hard for them to surrender to that. We need to be training babies how to surrender, that God loves them, and that God wants the very best for them. But how can I teach them, my kids, my grandkids, if I don't know it myself? It becomes just words. We don't want to give people words anymore. So we don't want to wait for our understanding to catch up. If we're filled to overflowing with the Holy Spirit, true full, fullness can't be contained. It overflows. And if I'm filled with that, I could be obedient. Because nothing is going to stop me. I know that I have the victory in him. I know that we're triumphant because of him. I could be courageous because of that action on the cross. That's where we want to be. Because that breaks the shackles. And that does it in our personal lives, in our families, school, workplaces, neighborhoods, all over. Abundant life, being filled to overflowing with the third person in the Blessed Trinity. Oh my goodness, God lives in us. And we could say we're fearful. This is about freedom, brothers and sisters. I, it's not about anybody's, not, we're not bad if we're afraid or have anxiety. It's not about that. This is about God saying, I have more for you. I know you struggled with fear. I know you've had anxiety a good part of your life, but I have more for you. All you got to do is take that first step because that first step says, I trust you, Lord. I don't trust this anymore. I trust you. And we take the first step, abundant life to overflow. We were designed that way. Jesus shows his apostles over the three years that he walked with them what overflow looked like. And he showed them in such a way that they hungered for it. 
They wanted that. They wanted that so much so that they died for it. They wanted more. We have to ask ourselves, do we want more? Do we want more? Do I want more of you, Lord? Or do I want to just stay stuck and just come and keep hearing speakers and saying, oh, that was nice, great conference, I'm coming back again? No. No, we have a job when we leave here. We heard that last night with the anointing talk. We have a job when we leave here. We had a job from the minute we were baptized. God already had an assignment for us. What's holding us back? This is not an option. By virtue of our baptism, we have been called to the more. Bishop Sam Jacobs used to say it all the time, retired Bishop Sam. He would say, the Holy Spirit is not an option. It's not an option. He was the best-kept secret for so long. We're finally letting him out, and we got to let him out more. We've been commissioned to bring it to the nations. We were created and designed to give the way he gave. We're conduits, rivers of life have to flow, must flow, overflow through us, overflow through me to someone else. That's what we are. We're conduits to the river of life. When, when Ezekiel was obedient to the Lord and spoke to dry bones, he didn't write a, sped, a spreadsheet out and say pros and cons. Should I do it? Shouldn't I do it? Is this going to happen? Will I look like a fool if I say this? Or what? He didn't do that. He said, what do you say? Oh, Lord, if you say it, then it's going to happen. And he did it, and he spoke to dry bones. That's a lesson for us. It's a lesson for us. We analyze, we question. What is the Lord saying? Is he saying this? Sometimes he'll point someone out and he'll say, go over, that person needs to know that I love them. And we go, oh, who is this coming from? You know, is it me? No, it must be me. Yeah, it's me because I think it's, oh, we, go, we drive ourselves nuts. Instead of doing it, go. So what could happen? The person could say, you're crazy. All right, so I'm crazy. I mean, what what are we going to do? It's not going to kill us. But at least they hear that they're loved. That's why our life must be about becoming more Christ-like to that overflowing. Ezekiel moved, spoke, knew that as the bones uh, came to life, it wasn't about him. It was about the Lord. He couldn't do that. I always say that when I pray with the when I pray and the Lord gives a word for somebody, I go, Lord, this is your reputation; it's not mine. I can't do this. It's, this is you. So you're either going to do it or you're not. So I believe that that prophetic move of the bishops calling on Eucharistic revival is saying to the Lord, "Do it again. Do it again. Testimony to the truth of who we are as Catholics. Do it again, Lord, so that our churches are bursting." with people that they can't get enough of who we are, of who he is. Bring life again. John the Baptist, uh, Jesus came to baptize with the Holy Spirit and with fire. In Genesis 28, 10 to 17, Jacob departed from Beersheba and proceeded towards Haran. When he came upon a certain place, he stopped there for, for a night since the sun had already set. Taking one of the stones at that place, he put it under his head 
and lay down in that place. Then he had a dream, a stairway, some say a ladder, rested on that ground with its top reaching to the heavens and God's angels were going up and down. There was the Lord standing beside him saying, I am the Lord, the God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac, the land on which you are lying, I will give to you and to your descendants. Your descendants will be like the dust of the earth, and through them you will spread to the west, to the east, to the north, to the south. In you and, and your descendants, all families of the earth will find blessing. Sound like the Great Commission? Sound like something we're supposed to be doing? Bringing his gospel to the ends of the earth? when that was spoken in Matthew. He knew this. This is truth. Nothing is different. It's an extension of the Old Testament. This is all truth. I am with you and will protect you. See, he's always there, and he's always saying he'll be there, and he's always protecting us. Wherever you go and bring you back to this land, I will never leave you until I have done what I promised you. When Jacob awoke from his sleep, he said, Truly, the Lord is in this place, and I did not know it. Does that sound like some churches you go into? Yeah. The Lord is in this place, and you don't even, you, you don't even have a clue. It's like an auditorium. Come on. We need to set this world on fire. And we have everything we need to do it. He already gave it to us out of baptism. Most of us were little babies. Do we know? We didn't know. But he knew. He knew because he chose us. We were chosen. He talks about this. He was afraid and said, how awesome this place is. This is nothing else but the house of God, the gateway to heaven. What's a gate? A passageway from one reality to the next. If we have a fence around our home, and you're walking past someone's home with a fence. You're in one reality. If you open the fence and go inside, where are you? You're in the other reality. You're in now the, on their property. So this is a gateway to heaven. Heaven's been open ever since Jesus was baptized in the Jordan. Heaven has been open. Do we know it? Do we recognize it? Are we expecting the unexpected? Jesus is our gate. And we walk through it. Mary is our gate. We walk through it from one reality to the next. If we're walking through that gate, something has to change in us. There has to be transformation. But we have to partner with that, co-labor with that. I can't just say, okay, I'm going to stand here. Now take everything away from me that shackles me and does it. He may do that. But the reality is he's saying, do you trust me? Do you trust me? Do you recognize how much I love you? He's a daddy that's desire, that desires his kids' love. And that's us. Jesus is the tabernacle of God, the house of God on earth, the gate we walk through. He calls himself the light of the world. Then he tells us, he just said he's the light of the world. Then he says, guess what? You're the light of the world. I think one of the prophetic words that came out to Central Service Team, it's time for the lampshades to come off the lamps. We need to shine that light so that everyone sees it and everyone wants more of it. We need to step into what Jesus modeled for us, what our mother models for us. 
or we're ignoring what God created for us. These are big words. We're ignoring God. But that's true. And we have to let it shake our foundation. If our foundation isn't built on, on him, if it's not strong, then we're not living the fullness of life. And God is saying, but I want you to. I want you to live in that freedom. I want you to have that swagger. I want you to be able to recognize that there's so much more. So much more. So we want to step into that. We are the tabernacles of the Lord. We're holding, we're pregnant. We are pregnant. Look what we have in common with our mother. We're pregnant with the word of God. We're pregnant with the Holy Spirit. So are we overflowing though? Is that river of life overflowing in us? It's there. And it wants to burst out when the image that I got is when, when we are pre physically pregnant and the water has to burst before that baby comes. Well, that, that this living water wants to burst out of us. And when it bursts out of us, it, it's going to bring a whole freshness, a newness of life, not only to ourselves, but to the people that are around us. And people are desperate for this right now. He wants us. He doesn't need us. He could stand right now in this moment in the heavenlies and speak and every tribe, every nation will understand what he's saying and will obey, every, everyone. So he doesn't need us, but he loves us. He wants us. Could you imagine? The God of creation wants us. He knows us. He loves us. His longing has always been to co-labor with us. We're those fireballs that he absolutely loves. He loves. Because God wants us to know that Jesus has everything under his feet. Everything under his feet. There's, there's just not, so what are we afraid of? What are we afraid of? I hear people say, well, no, this is just, this is my nature. This is my nature to be a worrier or whatever, whatever it is. This is my nature. Your nature is the nature of the Father. Your nature is the nature of our mother. That's not your nature. Whatever's holding us back is not our nature. Jesus put everything under his feet. We don't have to understand it, remember? We just need to be obedient to it. And again, we know how to be obedient. We've gotten every spiritual blessing, Ephesians tells us. What are we being obedient to? We want to experience the depth of Christ's love, Ephesians 3 tells us that, which surpasses all understanding so that we may attain to the fullness of God, the fullness of God, that's what we want. I want to tell you a short testimony and, and we'll move into to a time of, of prayer. My husband has had some health issues. Back in October, he was diagnosed with adult hydrocephalus. It's, a little, it's different. It's something that sometimes people get as they get older. He happened to have it. And what it is is the liquid on the brain doesn't come out the right way, you know, because we're, we're wired so it would come through our, our stomach and then we just eliminate it. Well, it wasn't. And it was causing lots of balance problems for him and different problems. So finally, when he couldn't lift his feet anymore, he said, I'm going to have to go for the surgery. You know, he wasn't thrilled about somebody cutting open his head. He went for the surgery. He had the shunt put in from his brain to his stomach and started getting better. 
uh, in walking. Not great, but he was starting to get better. But what was, was happening, because it wasn't moving fast enough for him, he started to get depressed. And my husband is, well, he's my childhood sweetheart. You know, he's my sweetheart for, it'll be 55 years in February. So this was odd for him. So anyway, just prior to the surgery, the first surgery in October, the Lord showed me a storm. And he said, there's a storm coming. He said, but I want you to know that I'm holding you through the storm. So now he has the first surgery and then goes into this depressed time and then starts coming out of it. And I said, oh, Lord, the storm is over. And he said, the storm is not over. He said, but no, that I'm holding you through the storm. And I have to tell you, that's exactly what I felt. I mean, none of this was affecting me. Like, I, there was no fear. There was no anxiety. My prayer was, Lord, you love him more than I do. Whatever it is, we're going to be in the place you want us to be. So that passes, and, and he said, no, the storm's not over. At the beginning of July, he went to step up onto a curb and fell, hit his head against one of those cement blocks, the carb cement things. They rushed him to a, a trauma one hospital, which was wonderful that they did that, and he had to have emergency brain surgery. People would come up to me and say, you must be so nervous. And I said, wow, you just don't know me. I said, you just don't know me because I have been preaching against this for so long and I can't say something that the Lord hasn't done in me yet. I can't do that. It, it just doesn't work for me. I said, no, because the Lord already showed me. It was a storm. There's a storm coming, but I'm holding you. And he kept reminding me, but I'm holding you through it. And that's just the experience. When he was in for the emergency surgery, I was sitting in the hall, so I was just praying in tongues, and people are walking past, you know. <laughs> but you know what? He's home. He's recovering. The doctors are amazed at his recovery. So you see, everyone has something. Everyone has something. We live in life. We don't live in heaven. We live in life, and we have to remember this. I want to give you this. In John 20, 19 to 23, on the evening of that first day of the week, when the doors were locked, remember Jesus is crucified by now. Where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in their midst and said to them, Peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. The disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. And when he said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. You see, they were terrified, terrified. And then they recognized him and they rejoiced, overjoyed when they saw him. You see, in our, the moments that we're terrified, we have to look. He's there and rejoice. That's when the joy comes. That's when we recognize our spirit lift because he will never leave us. He's always there. If we're filled with anxiety and fear, our first act needs to be see him standing there. See him standing there. Do I need to change something in my life so I see better? Whatever that might be, he breathes on them and tells them, receive. So see, first, they recognized him. Second, they received the Holy Spirit. We have his spirit 
in us. Can't say that enough. Then he tells them in Luke 24, 49, he says, wait. He says, wait. I send down upon you the promise of my father. Remain in this city until you are clothed with power from on high. So they saw him. They received. And he says, wait, wait. I believe we've all received the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. We know that. But are we clothed with power, the power that only the baptism in the Spirit brings? You see, these are two distinct events. And that's why he breathed on them. They received the Spirit. Then he said, but wait, there's more. There's more. And it's not an option because we have an assignment. And that assignment is in Matthew 28. 18 to 20, then Jesus approached and said to them, all power in heaven and on earth have been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always until the ends of the earth. Teach them all I commanded you. What did he command? Heal the sick, raise the dead, set captives free, cleanse lepers. What did he command? Love one another. What did he command? We know it. And he sends us to do it outside of fear. What does it mean? It means us. This is a word for us. We need to live that life to the fullest, to the absolute fullest. Because, you see... What was happening and why he told them to wait. They were living under the anointing of Jesus. Now it was time for them to receive the anointing so that they could go out. That's why he says to them, it's better for me if I go. That was not just like a, like a statement that he made. Some people say, it's better. You know, I'm not good for you. I'm going to leave. You know. No, that's not Jesus, right? No, it was better for him to leave. Why? Because then we were empowered, clothed with Jesus himself. Fresh anointing on each one of us. That's what he calls us to. That's what he called them to. John 14, the spirit of God who is with you will be in you. And we must give testimony to that fact. Devil hates testimony. Revelations 12, 11, They defeated him by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. Jesus, fall on us again. Fall on us again so that our testimony, as soon as we speak it, people are transformed. They don't say, that was nice. No, they go, whoa! What just happened to me? That's what we want from testimony. So before we go into prayer, and I'm just going to ask for, because we'll move right into to a time of prayer, I want us to remind us, this is, this is Hebrews 12. 18 to 24. Let's hear this from his lips, okay? From his heart, because he's speaking to us. You have not approached that which could be touched, and a blazing fire and gloomy darkness and storm, and a trumpet blast and a voice speaking words such that those who heard begged that no message be further addressed to them, for they could not bear to hear the command. If even an animal touches the mountain, it shall be stoned. Indeed, so fearful was the spectacle that Moses said, I am terrified and trembling. And then the Lord says to us, no, 
you have approached Mount Zion and the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and countless angels in festive gatherings, and the assembly of the firstborn enthroned in heaven, and God the judge of, of all, and the spirits of the just made perfect, and Jesus, the mediator, the mediator of the new covenant. That's us. I'm going to ask, and again, this may take stepping out of a comfort zone, anyone who has never been baptized in the Spirit. That means you didn't go through a life in the Spirit. Someone didn't pray over you to baptism in the Spirit. I'm going to just ask you to stand if you've never. And if you're saying to yourself, I don't know if I did. I don't know if I did. If you're saying, I don't know if I did, you didn't. Okay? Okay? So we're going to stand because the Lord wants new life here. And I want people that can step out of that fear. Step out of that fear. There's some that I know that they're holding back. They say, oh, you know, what will my sisters think? And what will this one think? I go, who cares? Who cares? God has a purpose and a plan. Come on. Stand. Good. Good, 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 good. Okay, I want someone around them. We're going to be conduits, right, of the Holy Spirit. I want someone around and put your hands on them. And then I want us all to take part in this. Those that want a, a fresh anointing of the Spirit, stand up. <laughs> I hope that's everyone. Thank you, Lord. Glory to you, Lord Jesus. Remember, we're conduits. There's living water, fresh breath of God moving through us. So let's renew together our baptismal, the baptismal promises. Do you reject Satan? I do. And so do I. And this is what I'm going to put out there. It's easy for us to say I do. But how about if, if we're saying in that I reject fear, I reject anger, I reject anxiety, because re that's Satan. You hear me? Yeah, so I'm rejecting. Could you say it? Scream it out. Whatever it is that shackles you. I reject whatever. Reject it in the name, in the name of Jesus. I reject it in the name of Jesus. Oh, yes. Yes. Reject it. Do you reject all his works? Yes. Yes. All that depression, anxiety, unforgiveness. We reject it in the name of Jesus. And all his empty promises. Yes, we are children of God. And he loves us. And we don't have to hold on to the lies anymore. Anybody that's holding on to lies, I'm not good. I'm not good enough. I'll never be good enough. The kingdom, I am not a kingdom person. How could he use me? I don't have an anointing. Whatever it is, you're rejecting it right now. You can't go back. If you're saying, if you're doing this with me, I better not see you. Go back. You can't go back. All right, all his empty promises. And now do you believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth? Oh, we do. Papa, we believe in you. We believe in you and we know that you love us. And we know that you've anointed us. And we know that you have a plan for our life. Oh, yes, yes. Do you believe in Jesus Christ, his only son, our Lord, who was born of the Virgin Mary, was crucified, died, and was buried, rose from the dead, and is seated at the right hand of the Father? And I do too. Oh, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. And everything is under his feet. And then we read in Ephesians that, that he sits at the right hand of the Father. And we sit with him in Ephesians 3. Whoa! Do you realize that? We're in these two realities. When you're faced with something that's difficult, look at it from the perspective of heaven. Get up in your seat. Bah! And look, and you're going to see something different. 
It's different when you look from the perspective of heaven. True? Do you believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and life everlasting? And I do too. God, the all-powerful Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, has given us a new birth by water and the Holy Spirit. So let's repeat this. Lord Jesus Christ, Lord Jesus Christ I want to belong to you from now on. I want to be free from the dominion of darkness and rule of Satan. I want to be free from the dominion of darkness and the rule of Satan. I want to enter into your kingdom and truly be a part of your people. I want to enter into your kingdom and truly be a part of your people. I will turn away from wrongdoing. I will turn away from wrongdoing. I will avoid everything that leads me to wrongdoing. I offer my life to you. And I promise to obey you, Lord. Lord, baptize me in your Holy Spirit and fire. Fall on me, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Lord, you heard your family. You heard us, Lord. And I know that you give us nothing less. You always give us more. So I pray fresh fire on all of us, Lord, that we would truly be those fireballs that go out in courage and strength, that that we know we have the victory. You already won the victory, Lord, it's done. We just have to walk in it, walk in that anointing. So thank you, Lord. For those that don't have tongues and you want to experience tongues, which we we need, we need in this battle, I pray that like like Susan said last night, you could start with the falalas and it'll come out. But everybody around them, start raise your voice, raise your voice in that heavenly language. Receive, receive, receive. Oh yes, Lord, moving us, Lord, moving us, Lord, moving us out to our breakfast, all the breakfast, all the ministries we're involved in, Lord moving us so the minute we walk into a space they know you're there they know you're present they don't even see us anymore lord we disappear because you're so present thank you lord thank you lord thank you lord thank you lord thank you Lord. thanks so much for listening to this magnificat podcast have you been touched by our time together if so for more information or to find a magnificat chapter near you go to our website at magnificat-ministry.org or visit us on social media. We would love to hear from you. You can also email us at magnificatcst at aol.com or call 504-828-MARY, M-A-R-Y. Until the next time, may God bless you.